0: Hey, Yank Gang. I am so happy and honored to welcome Stephen Lawley on this episode of the podcast, one of the best discussions I've had so far. Stephen and I talk about his experience writing, producing, and co-starring in Comedians Without Cars Getting Soda. We also have a long, freewheeling discussion on everything from podcasting, to stand-up, to conspiracy theories, to pizza delivery cannibals, to even buying a boat. Please check out Stephen Lawley and Eddie Pepitone's great new web series, Comedians Without Cars Getting Soda, Available on all things comedy. This podcast is sponsored by George Carlin's Signature Black T-Shirts. Be a funny man like him and get a George Carlin Signature Black T-Shirt today. Are you in the mood for a yank tonight?
1: Welcome to this week's Yank Cast. Here he comes.
0: It's Yanker. So, thank you so much, Steven, for yes. being on my podcast, man. Yeah,
1: this is the simplest setup I've <laughs> ever seen for anything. This is like the easiest one. You know, I didn't even have to do a sound check. This is great, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I like to keep it simple, you know. Uh, my my girlfriend does voiceover, actually, and she has like a sound booth in there. But, don't know, I've recorded episodes and everything turns out pretty well even with my little brother who was like he was just like rocking the mic with. oh he was uh, yeah he was just like playing disruptive yeah being very disruptive with the mic and there were little moments of that but i don't know it's like those youtube videos that you know uh people trust like youtube videos that aren't well polished sometimes to their detriment to their detriment you know yeah 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 like a lot of conspiracy theory things are just like
1: how much of the how much is there of that out there do you know is it really so much there's so much yeah i'm sure
0: i mean i I, you know i just remember like uh (laughs) i just remember my friend (laughs) handing me this is this guy i worked on a like a student film with and then he just hands me this dvd he's like dude i need you to know the truth and he just hands me this dvd and it just says jews on it (laughs) It's just like wow. What? I was just I was just like what? wow.
1: When and <laughs> this where is like was like my this? first
0: week in LA. It was like just doing student films. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just like
1: just Wow. Do you still have that? Do you still have? Uh,
0: I think I threw it away. I think
1: I threw You it should away. have just kept it. I know it I mean, I would have thrown it away too because of the yeah. What if someone sees that in your yeah, and then they right. like, and then you're like, Poor. what the fuck is this guy really about? But <laughs> as an artifact, yes, and and truthfully to show that to other people to go, this is what's out there. These people are out there, you know. <laughs> um, oh my god! Man.
0: I know. It's wow. just like to see it just there, and like I, it's just it 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 made me laugh, and he didn't know why I was actually laughing, but. I mean, it was
1: pretty it just said Jews on it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever did you watch any of it at all or No. no? I
0: mean I could guess what it was about.
1: Right, I mean, but you know just out of curiosity, did you ever see the movie Videodrome? Oh yeah. Videodrome, the
0: fucking new flesh man. Yeah. It's the best
1: It's really amazing, man. Like the idea that someone will hand you something to watch. Yeah. And like James Woods he puts it in and he watches it and then he can never unwatch it. Yeah, you know the idea, the the sort of horror of that, of tr- then you start transforming from. I you know I could see some anti-Semitic, yeah, some anti-Semitic video drone You know, <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah,
0: yeah, like a little anti-Semitic take on it. Yeah, but I agree. It's 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 uh it's like that red the whole red pill thing, and you know, uh oh, yeah, all the the cells and oh man, yeah, it's a you know there's it, a lot of it, that really matrix just... metaphor has just been used for. waking up to the truth of everything. Like you look, and it's so funny, you look on like liberals Twitter and they're like, you need to know the truth. You look at conservatives Twitter and they're like, you "You need to to know the truth. And it's the same shit. You know, it all boils down to some crazy batshit theory that someone has or someone, how someone looks at life. And it's, it's interesting to me, just like seeing like kind of both sides
1: of it. So it's the conspiracy, the conspiracy people, the like anti-government,
0: yeah, alien the
1: alien yeah. people like people with aliens and then people who really are obsessed with like true crime and murder. Oh yeah these are huge audiences of people yeah. and I I wonder if they've always been out there or if if the entertainment in, in our yeah. culture is breaking down to the point where people are so desperate for anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they've
0: always been there. Like, you look at, uh, I watched Oliver Stone. Like, Oliver Stone was the first, like, real big Hollywood peddler of just crazy conspiracy theories. True, Like, right. JFK was just, right, like, right. one long, just, like, Oliver Stone's take on whatever. Right. And there were so many people who just believed that. Right. And, and it I think turned
1: out it was very far from... Yeah.
0: And Oliver Stone even had a thing on America, which I, I went to American University, so I was always interested in politics, and... Oliver Stone started teaching a class or a professor at American university started teaching Oliver Stone's vision of America or something or history of America, according to Oliver Stone. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It seemed like to me, like Oliver Stone was one of the first who was like legit peddling, just kind of like, conspiracy theories that were anti-American kind of in a way like, right. like always against the American government right
1: against the establishment and
0: against the establishment exactly and kind of like always making like like uh, glowing pieces on like Castro and like all these dictators and stuff uh, but yeah I don't know I think the crazy's there man it's always been there it's just you gotta harness it it's always it. been there you
1: gotta harness but it but it just seems like yeah. growing up cause I grew up in the 80s I was an 80s kid it seems like there was more better shit yeah. to go see and watch and listen to. Yeah. So uh, this is totally subjective, by the way. I mean, I could be completely wrong. It seems like there was more shit that was better, and so there was less peripheral things like murder podcasts, which yeah. is a huge thing. And I meet people all the time. This yeah. is how I know it's huge. I meet people individually who are obsessed with murder, true crime, and... And by the way, the journalists some of the nicest gentlest people, <laughs> which is the most ironic thing. Yeah. Um, and they're just, they're just so uh, obsessed with these kind of gruesome yeah. details of gruesome murders, serial killers. And, yeah. and uh, I think that's a sign of a society that's desperate for... That, that doesn't know how to use their imagination. And yeah. And they're sort of desperate to be entertained. And this is a mystery, Basically, yeah. it's a mystery they want to know about.
0: It is a mystery. You're right. And and in the same kind of, it's almost a perversion of that idea that you go to a film to like feel something that you can't feel, or that's like an actor's job is to make the audience feel something that they would be right. not able to feel in their own life. And then the real life actors, the people who actually do these crazy things, are almost per- become performance artists in the sense, in the eyes of the viewing public, you know, like right, all the so, murders and everything.
1: Yeah, and so the censorship thing now yeah. has driven people into these podcasts. So because yeah. you can't regulate a podcast yet. You know, they don't know how to regulate podcasts <laughs> yet. So so the censorship thing is basically saying it's funny. We don't want you to feel that. Yeah. We're not going to we're not going to dispense anything that will make you feel that yeah. from certain kind of people. Yeah. You can feel horny or sexual <laughs> Or you can feel lust for money as long as it's these kind of people who are dispensing it. Man, it's a weird. It's a strange time, man. It's a very strange time. Yeah,
0: it feels the fragmentation of everything, kind of. And it's harder and harder to police things, but at the same time, everyone is being watched all the time. And it's just a question of, do you have any traction, almost? Are you getting traction?
1: Yeah, I I think it's cool in a way because it's like a Wild West. Yeah. So we're living through the sort of... uh, disintegration of something and yeah. the beginning of something new yeah. and the beginning of something new is always cool because well first of all a lot of people don't know it's new they just think it's whatever. Yeah, but we're living through something new and at the beginning of shit it's always great It's it's gonna get co-opted somehow and absorbed and turned into you know whatever but it's cool to see these guys like Tripoli, like Sam Tripoli, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and and all these underground comedians who are making a living. Man, I mean, yeah. people are making a living and going on tour, and they have audiences, because yeah. of these underground groups of people that can't be quantified, yeah, you know, that can't be targeted through market research. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's really exciting. Yeah, That's yeah. And, neat. and
0: speaking with Sam Tripoli he was your first guest on.
1: Yeah, he's the reason I met Eddie Pepitone. Is he? Yeah, he's. Well, I had met Eddie, you know, years before, but in passing. Yeah. So there was a there was a place called uh, uh it was called the Bliss Cafe. I don't know if you ever heard of the Bliss Cafe. Okay, Bliss Cafe was like before this explosion of comedians, like the past ten years. Yeah. There was like one underground hole in the wall in Hollywood. It was on it's on Vine and Fountain. Is it still there? It's still there, but they don't have comedy. They had comedy like six nights a week. And it was an open mic, and it was basically the black open mic, where the black comics who couldn't get on in the alternative rooms yeah. would go hang out. And around the corner from there, it's still a place, but it, at that time it was called the M Bar. And the M Bar was the hip Sarah Silverman, you know, the fucking, uh, you know... <laughs> so the modern day... The, 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 mo- yeah. the fucking office on NBC, you know, those fucking <laughs> motherfuckers. Uh, and they would go there, and it was a, it was a swank, you know... Big comics would go in there, like Garland and Louie, and uh, you'd see outside hanging out. You know, like the big alternative comics and everything. And then the M Bar was there, and then just right around the corner was the fucking Bliss Cafe, where the people who couldn't get on anywhere else, where I was. Yeah. And the only comic from the fucking M Bar who ever stepped foot in the Bliss Cafe uh-huh. was Eddie Pepitone. I would see, I'd be on stage there, and I'd see him show up in the doorway. And I'd be like, "Holy shit, that's Eddie Pepitone!" You know. Anyway, that was my accent. And then, so a few years ago, I was at the store, and I knew Sam, and I had performed at the store a few times, and I had made a commitment to myself that I would uh, that I would show up at the store because it's really good for your career yeah. to just hang out at the comedy store yeah. and be seen and meet people and be around, yeah. be around those that scene. The other comedy clubs aren't like that.
0: You know They don't have as much of an open door Not policy. really, no. Yeah. It's yeah. not as cool yeah.
1: and easy. And uh, I had headlined the main room on an off night. And I was like, well, they kind of know me. Yeah. I met a few door people. Uh, I should have been doing this 10 years ago. Now I'll come up. I'll try to come up once every week or once every couple weeks. And I, I knew Sam. Yeah. And Sam's like the patron saint of, of the comedy store. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, hey, man, I texted him is it cool if I come just hang out with you at the store sometimes? He goes, yeah, man, just text me when you want to come and I'll let you know. So I would do that. And the, the next time I did it, he was in the parking lot with Eddie and I went up to say hi to him and I don't even remember what happened. All the next thing I know I'm in a, like a two hour conversation with Eddie and we became very fast friends and you know, you could chuck it up to God really being a, being a part of that. Yeah. And we were hanging out, and he, I would go to shows with Eddie, and then I ended up uh, on his podcast. And we yeah. had good conversation rapport. Yeah. And I think he figured that out, and he was like, maybe this'll, it'll help to have some energy, some other person to bounce it off of. And Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that wow, happened. Wow,
0: that's so exciting. It's yeah. pretty cool, man. That's like...
1: Yeah. yeah. Something was saying to me, you need to go to the comedy store. Yeah, exactly. You need to be at the comedy store. Yeah. And the comedy store was a dark place for a long time. Because yeah. the guy running it wasn't very good, but the guy, I guess now, who runs it is better. Yeah. And he's, like, revived the place. And yeah. so, uh, but anyway, yeah, and All Things Comedy, where we do our podcast, yeah, they had just opened that, so I guess two years ago, right, mm-hmm. when I started with him, they had just opened that location they were somewhere else and they had just bought that you know studio yeah so the studios transformed since then and it's really nice now but it was like there was nothing in there except a there was a big empty space like a warehouse and then there was a room for podcasting that was all decked out and set up and everything
0: what has it been like so far working on
1: comedians without cars getting so huh so i pitched that show in February or March yeah. man this is crazy the day I pitched that show was the last time I saw Brody Stevens the next day he, he the next day he took his own life man I saw him we had a conversation about the Cubs yeah and baseball yeah and uh, ten minutes before I saw him I had pitched the show yeah. and he was supposed to be the first guest on the show the first episode was supposed to be Brody Stevens I mean that's how I had written it yeah now there's another crazy thing, man. I, I, you know, I don't know what it means or anything like that. But that guy was also kind of a guardian angel. He was he, sort of so great. He was so great. I've had him and on the
0: show, my show, a few times, and he just is always such
1: like he's special, a gentleman. He was special, he, so amazing. Yeah. So he was. Something was going on there mystically with him because he was around there, yeah. and he was very encouraging and. Remember, I was new at all things comedy and I kind of was nervous. These guys are all sort of established and I'm new here. And they made me feel like him and Sam and Brody, Eddie and Sam and Brody, really made me feel like I was part of that. And that they didn't even think twice that I wasn't, was new or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track, but to, to explain that about Brody, um, I pitched... Comedians Without Cars Getting Food Stamps That was the show (laughs) Which is way funnier But You can't do There are several problems First of all Doing food stamps Every week Is not Yeah uh, How do you do that Every week My idea was Initially That we were gonna have A comic Um In a In a totally Made up scenario Like The first episode Was Brody Getting his car towed (laughs) And and sitting in the car with Eddie, I wasn't even in the show. It was just supposed to be Eddie and someone else. Yeah. So so do you understand? Just to give you an idea of how this show was supposedly something else, and then everybody got involved and it changed. To be, I hadn't written the show. I just pitched it. I I didn't even know. But after I pitched it and everyone got involved, the studio, the five or six people at the studio, uh, Eddie had his you know say because he he created it with me yeah and he wanted it to be soda yeah and i think he felt on his end he felt his friends would feel like losers if they went on comedians without cars getting food stamps it would make them he didn't want you know andy kindler to come on and feel like a loser or a failure or something like that you know so um i'm just pulling that name out of my ass i don't know but someone who he's admires and um Anyway, it turned, it turned into a Comedians Without Cars Getting Soda uh, and became what it became. And of course, ATC got involved and helped engineer it. And, and so that's it, man. I mean, I have never had a team of people going, we will transform and make your, you just pitched an idea and now they're gonna. I mean, I wrote a bunch of stuff. I wrote the monologues. I wrote the uh, I created the fake sodas and everything, but I didn't have to do a lot. I mean, what you think of as a filmmaker or an entertainer, how much you have to fucking do? This is the first time ever in my life, and Mm -hmm. I've made short films, man. I made a a film called Yoga Ho, which I paid for, and we shot, and I wrote and and directed and everything. It was a lot of fucking work, man. And I had its co-director who edited it, so I had. So, even with that, it was it took a long. I made another thing this thing, man, they just were like a machine, mm-hmm. but the thing took like like nine months from the time I pitched it yeah. to the time we shot it It yeah. was like four or five months, yeah, it took fucking forever, yeah, so because yeah. they've got so much there that they've gotta do. Mm-hmm. it just took forever to and then we shot it in <laughs> July, and it just came out this past weekend, <laughs> so yeah. Well, how many episodes do you have in the? We don't. We we're gonna shoot another one. Oh. But I mean, it was, it's the most viewed thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Uh It, I think had been viewed five thousand times in the first eight hours. Yeah. It was out. Yeah. And then, uh, now it's thirteen, fourteen thousand. Yeah. And that's so three days. Yeah. Four days. Three and a half days. Yeah.
0: How did the bird scooters make their way into it?
1: That was Brian Barcheski. He's the head of production. Yeah. He wanted to use yeah. the scooters. Yeah. And I, it was great. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And f- so we had, we're going to have a different mode of transportation for each. Oh, I so love the that. So yeah, yeah. the next episode is a rickshaw. A rickshaw? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, wow. That's the next episode. That's,
0: that's really... Yeah. That's we, really maybe I'll have my, Indi-
1: my Indian friend yeah. just to do something really racist. Might have my Indian front now. I'm just kidding. I think. I think. I've uh, seen
0: those ones on like Venice with uh, the guy on the bicycle. Yeah, that could be funny.
1: You know, rickshaw. The mod, it's way funnier than bird scooter. First of all, yeah. Did you watch the episode? Yeah. Oh, did you see Eddie fall?
0: Yes, I did. That was see. not
1: planned. That Damn. Was, did he really hurt himself? He hurt himself, mm. but he's okay. He it was more hurt emotionally Me- Yeah, I mentally. Yeah. I just I love
0: just Eddie's face just right yeah, up right. in the camera. <laughs>
1: You just get a laugh every time. It's just him looking like he doesn't have to say anything. I know man. This is so funny. It's awesome. Yeah. So I was not supposed to be on the show and then Eddie was like, well, I want you to be, will you please be on the show with me? And I mean, yeah, I'll be on the show with you. But I also knew, you know, what, what's my function in the show, you know, but man, I'm so glad I did because it's my face and my name is out there you know and I'm not just co-creator of the show yeah so uh, yeah but I wasn't this was not something I was like you know it wasn't something I was so in love with yeah that I was I have to put myself in this you know I just wanted to create something for Eddie and make something and do something with all things comedy because they're amazing and and uh, you know if the the show makes money yeah you know, you make money, so yeah. if it's a hit. So hopefully, you know, it'll be I think I I don't know what the numbers are, but hopefully it will be a hit. Yeah. And we can keep making more and
0: There's definitely something to key into because it is I mean, that is funny how just like how elitist that comedian car is getting it's just such an elitist thing, and I can't couldn't believe how much it, was, it took off. And I guess just because of celebrities and all
1: those. So, well, things, Seinfeld but, is and Seinfeld, you know is what? I, I anything get, he would have done. Seinfeld is such a bored fucking yuppie. I mean, you could just tell it's a <laughs> bored guy. It's a bored fucking guy who has all this money <laughs> yeah. and fame, yeah. and and really got very lucky. I mean, let's just be honest about yeah. Seinfeld. He's very funny. Yes. He's a good stand-up comedian, yes. But he is the most lucky yeah. motherfucker on the if he hadn't planet. Found Larry David. I mean, oh my gosh! It
0: would have been. I mean, Larry, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Just, Larry one, David can do it himself. Like he, he's yeah, shown. That. He did. His show. His other show's funnier.
1: Yeah. So there's this guy who's obviously from like Long Island and yeah, comes from some middle upper class money, and he's gonna. I don't know. It's just to me, it's kind of a. a I'm just kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know even that politically I was trying to say something so much, but when I did say it to Eddie, he keyed in on it. He goes, yeah, let's make fun of that shit. Let's yeah. get him. Let's get him. Yeah. And so we got him. We, we did it. Yeah. And And, uh, you know, we made something really much funnier. Um, Seinfeld's not trying to be funny on his show. No. He's just trying no. to do... Seinfeld is like... Seinfeld... and the 90s were like this. Smooth jazz. <laughs> smooth jazz yeah like like uh, uh what's the band that my that my parents and you could start to? it
0: with Bill Clinton's saxophone Bill solo. Clinton's
1: saxophone solo just and like echoes like Steely them. Dan songs and you know uh, like, exactly. like 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 yeah. you know coffee with cream and people, people <laughs> with people wear, where men wearing shoes with, with no socks and Birkenstocks exactly you know not even Birkenstocks like like uh like dress shoes with no socks and <laughs> and like uh, brunch people who go to brunch and shit like that that was the 90s to me and and as a Jew also there I was around a lot of that that kind of shit and so Seinfeld's show reminds me of bored people with money country club people yeah um I don't even want to use the term elitist. I think it's overused. It is it is accurate, but I think it's more it's more uh, it's kind of a nice word compared to what I would use. <laughs> I would use, I think they're yuppies. I think yeah. Seinfeld is kind of a yuppie. Yeah. Fuck. And I hate that about comedy. I hate that about com- I hate that that came into vogue in the 90s. It started coming into vogue in the 90s sort of the Ivy League yeah. Not to say that Harvard and Yale people can't be funny. I, they'll National Lampoon as Harvard, and but I just want to take those people and fucking use them as like a like a fuck like Gallagher's fucking mallet, man. I just yeah. want to, you know. So, so yeah. So I'm glad it does. It's the opposite, and of course we got Sam. Tri- so you've got Eddie Pepitone and Sam Tripoli. There's nothing further from. No, Jerry Seinfeld.
0: No, not, not from his clean cut Oh! Like, no, nothing further. And I, I love that about it. I love that about it. And it seems like from what you've been saying like you and Eddie Pepitone get along so well because you have this very similar like like Eddie Pepitone's almost academic in terms of his class warfare, which is like kind of what's hilarious like because he's so angry about academic like social injustice and it's hilarious because it's just, it's such a heady thing to be angry about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, I just, I appreciate that so much of his style. And I think like, I see why you get along so well with yeah. that on that. What, what is your upbringing? What was your upbringing like?
1: I was pretty middle. Like we were like the poor people who think they're middle class. Yeah. We, we were, we were in a neighborhood. Interestingly, we were in a neighborhood, you know, I'm from Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago Heights. But then our fam- my family moved to Florida. I think there was more money in Chicago. Yeah. When we moved to Florida, it was more... I don't know if you've ever been to Florida, but... So I was t- in late teens in Florida. Every house is like Edward Scissorhands' neighborhood. <laughs> so when you're in Chicago, there's a little... Because people built their own houses... Yeah. More and these are deed restricted communities in Florida, so you're in a community that was all built by one developer, so the homes are all the same. Every third house is the same, painted a different color, kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, nobody knows anything from wealth because everybody's kind of the same. Yeah, like the the family that drives the BMW, they're wealthy. Yeah, there's no Tesla, there's no do you know what I'm You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so but- uh. We didn't really grow we knew you knew some kids' parents had more money than you did, but it wasn't as pronounced as it is in a place like l a yeah, you know, and my when I started becoming even aware of that, I was a teenager. by then I was in Florida in Chicago, yeah, people did have money, but I never I wasn't old enough to get a hold of that yeah, um so yeah, man, it was like it was all middle class. And, uh, the only wealth thing would have been popularity in school. So you see other kids who are more socially acclimated than you. They're better with girls or they're, yeah. but there wasn't any like disparity of, you know, these people go to Coachella. These people can't afford to go to Coachella. Yeah. There wasn't any of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Eddie grew up in New York, so he definitely had, I'm sure he yeah. had a tremendous amount of wealth disparity right in front of his face. Yeah. But we didn't really, not really. There was, there were one or two kids who, who like their parents were rich Mm -hmm. and they had, they had a huge house, but they were outside of the areas that we were living in, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: so. So, so your own like kind of insular communities where everyone kind of felt like they were on the same level, especially as kids. I mean, it's easier, I think, when you're kids to kind of feel like that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I was a teenager, when you when you get to high school i think that was when i started really noticing yeah. because some kids have cars some kids don't have cars yeah. you know i didn't have a car
0: yeah
1: my senior year of high school i did get a car but you know some kids had cars when they were freshmen sophomores yeah you know and those kids were getting laid well maybe not but they were they were <laughs> they were closer to getting laid than yeah. we were uh, you know and that was all you knew you knew you you had no freedom to go anywhere so um But compared to living out here, living out here is when I really noticed the disparity of wealth.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like out here is especially because people just kind of isolate themselves and put themselves into their own communities and groups. And every neighborhood is so isolated from every single other one. Yeah. It's like every neighborhood has its own very distinct feel in a very weird way because it's just like a
1: few blocks you know what i mean like a lot of times <laughs> i said to sunil we were over in that subway parking lot yeah and i go to sunil i go you know it's beautiful over here but i hate this side of town and i can't explain like i couldn't explain to him how why i hated this side yeah. of town because there's something hypnotic about also about this side of town yes there's a whole David Lynch Mulholland Drive kind of feeling yes, over here. Yes. But there's something I hate. There's some I don't want to be on this side of town. And we, we walked over to the subway parking lot. Let me try to describe this for you. There was a workman's truck. You know that parking lot? Yeah. Okay, there was a workman's truck trying to come this way. Uh-huh. And there was a there was a passenger car trying to come this way. And they and they were just they just kept doing this. Oh my. God. And I go Sunil. Do you see that? That's why I hate this fucking side of town. That's a metaphor for what. That's this side of town. That's what it's about. Yeah.
0: No, so. I no no. I feel you t- totally. It, it it is because it's like it it. There's like no respect for like what actually is fueling everything.
1: Yeah, or there's just some mis- constant miscommunication. Of, yeah, or or something lost in translation in every act. And I don't, I feel like I'm, I'm not, for, I like, there's no water. I'm going to start sounding like Larry David. Like, like, <laughs> there's no water anywhere near, I can't get to the fuck. like, get me to the water. I want to go by the water, you know. <laughs> where do you, where do you uh, live right now? I live in Mid-Wilshire. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's still, It. but it's easy to get everywhere. Cause That's Wilshire good. Because Wilshire's right there. Yeah. Uh, I feel you on the water. I would I, buy a house yeah. on the west. You know, David Mamet. Yeah. He comes to see, you know, I, I know him. Yeah. And he, he doesn't, he's, they live in Santa Monica. Yeah. They don't go east of the 405. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing, but I understand it. Because I would be on the west side. I would, and the west side's not good, by the way. The west side is not yeah. like a good, but there's just <laughs> something, I, I feel like I'm by the ocean. Yes. No, I, I totally know what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I I want to just get a boat. So I can just. <laughs> you want to live on a boat. No, I just want to have a boat as my escape. So I think go- that makes more sense than having a house. Oh, so that like, does. That's pretty cool. Like,
1: right, you just pay the slip
0: fees. You just pay the slip fee and you can always go to the west side. You can always go to the dock you and hang
1: out. You might be putting ideas in my head. You Maybe should. that's what I might do. Buy a <laughs> boat and just. And it doesn't have to be any kind of sexy boat. It could no. just be a boat that works. Yeah, just a boat that works, exactly. Yeah. Hang out on the boat. That's yeah. not a bad idea.
0: Yeah, it could be... It's yeah. a good investment, you know? Yeah, it's like,
1: that's a very smart... Yeah, that's yeah. very smart. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: But, uh, no, I, I feel you. I, I live by the water for a while. It's just, it's, it feels like the east side this neighborhood right here. I agree with you totally. I do feel like it's like... Um, basically where it feels like we're the TV writer Illuminati in LA lives. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like where all the, the kind of like Oof. comedy, like
1: oh. people
0: who've made it. And it just, it, it, it has, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's yuppie. Everyone goes out to brunch. I love, oh. I love brunch. I know. I, I know. I get it. I, yeah, I, I, I understand how disrespectful it is. It's like, it, it it's so it's not
1: really a bad. It's just what it represents it, it, exactly. exactly. But it's and really I, whatever. If you go out to have breakfast at ten thirty, you're eating brunch, no matter where you go. It's
0: it's true. You it's know? true. But it's like the whole idea of like the seven dollar coffee, and you know, it's just <laughs> like it's just it's happening, and it's like all in these places that just charge the regular amounts of coffee can't survive in neighborhoods like this because you know, there's one place that like kind of is more normal on the the corner there, like. Um, and there's just like a table where all the like older men in the neighborhood just sit, hang out and they just, uh, you know, see, and that's, that's, that's what it used to be. You yeah. know, that's what a neighborhood used to.
1: I do notice about the side of town. Like if you're on the West side uh, and you say hello to somebody, they won't say hi. Like yeah. they, they actually, like if you say hello to somebody, a stranger on the street, yeah. they will look at you like, what do you want <laughs> from me? <laughs> What yeah. are you trying to take yeah. of mine? Yeah. Out here on the east side, yeah. there are times where I've been over here. Actually, it was the day of your show. And I was at the Starbucks across the street. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed I would say hello to people and they were very gregarious. Yeah, And I went, oh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, the east side people are more soulful. They're more, yeah. but I can't, I mean, maybe that's just a little experience I had, but, yeah. uh, But yeah, I guess everywhere's. I think it's something about Los Angeles, man. It's gotten more yuppified. It's gotten more... Less... People are more afraid of each other. I've lived out here 17 years. So the last seven or eight years, I've noticed it, man. I noticed it. I used to live in Culver City and the people were really friendly and gregarious over there. And now it's not that way there. People are very suspicious of each other. It's very studio yuppie. Yeah. uh, Very white. Extremely white. uh, Yeah. And, and I don't know, we're getting, I'm, I'm getting way off. No, 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 no.
0: Um, yeah. And then, uh, then I like to think like when I hike, people are like the opposite of that, but it's like crazy. They're like friendly Nazis you know they like come up to you and they're just like hi how are you doing are you having a good day they're
1: trying to but, overcompensate yeah, they try for to like, all the people they they treated like fuck off yeah when they were walking around on the street yeah right. but then
0: also they're afraid I think because they're in nature they're like afraid for their lives you know so they're like overly they're just like you're normal right you're normal right you're not gonna hurt me right oh shit
1: you think that's what's going on
0: <laughs> I think people are you I know, don't know I think I think everyone's like constantly afraid for them yeah, that's funny because this,
1: yeah. this guy was just talking about how people are. There's danger in the woods. He goes. Yeah. Yeah. He goes. Yeah, the, the woods. There's a lot of. There's a lot of bad <laughs> things happening in the woods. Yeah. I, I hiking. See,
0: hiking is a very vulnerable state to put yourself.
1: <laughs> I almost did. Almost die hiking the, the 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 what's it called the um the the famous one the Runyon Canyon. Oh, Runyon Canyon. So Lark Miller. I don't know if you know her. She's yeah. a comic. Yeah. Fucking Lark. She she cooked me. This is years ago. This is yeah. like eight years ago. Yeah. She cooked me this huge meal, <laughs> like like dinner time. Yeah, she yeah, cooked yeah. me this meal, and then she goes, "Come on, we're gonna go hiking." Oh my god! She took me what? up fucking Runyon Canyon at twilight, as the sun was going down, what? She, she and went she went up you know? the path with that's not paved. She went up the, and we had to, I I had to run up hills to get up. If I didn't run, I wouldn't have been able to so I would I would have to get into a full sprint with a full stomach of food. And I remember thinking I'm going to kill her. I'm going <laughs> to kill her like when we get out of this. I'm going to I'm going to like I was really angry. And uh, I got lost too. I was so angry with her. And then at, but the next day I was so I was like amazing. It, yeah. I felt great the next day. But yeah. that night I was so upset. With yeah. her, I don't know what the fuck why she did that to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was her way of bonding. Yeah. Watch out for her, Lark Miller. She's Lark a Canadian Miller. comic. Okay. Canadian <laughs> comics are deceptive cuz they they seem like they're normal and polite and they do shit like that to you. <laughs> Set you up. Let me cook you dinner. You know, you you nev- never think something bad's going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That seems like a nice thing and it's like, let me weigh you down.
1: Right. <laughs> Before I take you to
0: the guillotine, you
1: know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: You <laughs> fatten you up. Um, so, what drew you to stand up? When did you know that you were funny? And when what? When did you start? Like,
1: I started when I was nineteen. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't funny. I had a great show the first time I did stand up. I absolutely killed. Uh, I was almost twenty, so it was like the end of my nineteenth year, and I had this great, 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 great show. At a comedy club, Pack Comedy Club was a contest. So the contest was, you know, bring all your friends to the comedy club. Yeah, bring her. The club would give you two two for one tickets. So it wasn't like a bringer like okay. now. You'd give you'd get these free tickets to give to your friends. And yeah. then you'd pack the club with your friends. And then you'd go on and do your whatever. And then you would win the contest depending on how many people cheered for you. Which meant however many people you brought. yeah. We're going to decide, well, the first time I did this contest, everybody came <laughs> in the entire fucking community. People who didn't like me, who just wanted to see me fail at wow. this. I mean, it was, it was pretty... Where was I this? packed it. It was in Florida. And uh, I won. I had a great people. I killed it. I, I had a very false sense of security after yeah. that. And then for a year and a half, I would just bomb, 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 bomb. And I wouldn't do it a lot. I would do it, and I would bomb, and I would not get right back into it. I would just keep... But I kept doing it enough. And uh, so then when I turned 21, yeah. I won a contest at a local comedy club in my college town. and yeah. uh, I, was, I think I was 21 years old, and they let me host the entire week. But I had to do 15 minutes, dude. Wow. And I had maybe five. And so I had to, what am I going to say for another 10 minutes, you know? But I did it. I got through it. I faked it. I got paid for the week. I was officially a professional comedian at 21. And then um, I think I kept doing it out of sort of boredom. And where I was in the time and I had jobs I didn't like and I dropped out of college and was really unhappy and I kept doing the comedy to keep me to have some creative thing, yeah, and it would remind me when I would do that. And I, I, you know, gradually I started getting better. Around twenty-two, I started getting okay. Yeah, twenty-three, I got a little funnier, you know. So now you've been in for four years or whatever. I've three years or whatever, and um, I started getting hired. Yeah, hired to open, and I made videotapes and I sent them out in the old days i yeah. had to call around other comedians can you give me the info of this that and the other couldn't you couldn't go online and just find out who books what you yeah. had to really like really do research and spend days and weeks compiling a list of fucking people who are going to potentially give you work and you couldn't just find them on facebook and yeah you know but also the good thing was there were no comedians yeah in my town there was one open mic it was Orlando, Florida. There was one open mic. Once a week, there were maybe 20 comics there. All men. Maybe one female. No, go- no, really no females then. And uh, I was good. I was starting to get really good. And the guy who ran the open mic, his name was Dean Napolitano. He's still a comic. He's still around. I think he lives in Florida. He was really helpful. Like, he would put give me good spots there. Yeah. Anyway... I'm kind of dragging on with this, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't love comedy. Yeah. I was doing it out of desperation to have something creative to do. And I was good at it enough that I kept, kept my confidence up, you know, that I could do something creative. I have no fucking idea. How am I going to be creative? Yeah. Cause I really need to do that. Yeah. And who even does that? <laughs> Nobody, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: and, yeah and now you've seen kind of the opposite happen with this influx of just comics and
1: well being in LA is also a different a yeah different thing being there uh, but when I go on the road I do drop into little nickel and dime places and there are a tremendous amount of comedians yeah so it is everywhere yeah but the thing that's different here are the beautiful women <laughs> uh, I just went to Jeff garland's thing he did yeah. last night at the, yeah. do you know about that he screened Where was it? his. he screened his uh his um his he screened his Netflix special. He didn't have a premiere. He screened it at the Comedy Dojo. Oh wow! And uh, do you know that the Comedy Dojo and it's We're, in the Sycamore Tavern? Oh okay. There's two comedy. Clubs oh yeah, there. yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Before, yeah. So upstairs, he screened his thing, and I got on the list or whatever. And it's funny, you know. I go to these things like that, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm gonna meet meet some new people. You know, maybe meet some people who are f- further ahead than me. Yeah. Never. <laughs> it's always this. This was a room full of people who you know uh, anyway I don't I don't know why I got off on this tangent but uh, he screened his movie and half of the room were these beautiful it was for comics only so you knew there were no audience there It was only for comics yeah and it was a closed thing and half of the room were these beautiful female comics they're probably most of them were probably not funny some of them may be you know yeah. but they're there looking for wisdom yeah because there's a and a and Garland's gonna do come up and do a and a and give and of the, the questions people were at by the way the guys who were there were also probably not very there were a few comics I recognized like Jeff Keller was there and Mike Meritori and those, so those are guys that I know have been in this a long time maybe longer than me yeah but for the most part they were all newer comics yeah and but the women there were no beautiful women there was like you go to a show, and there might be one beautiful female comic in the valley, one yeah. beautiful female comic on this, and you knew who they were, yeah these there were like twelve to fifteen beautiful women who are comics at this, yeah. and I'm just going, oh my god, no I don't so anyway, that's the influx has changed in that way, yeah, 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 um yeah, but uh anyway, yeah, so that was how I began, yeah, and then uh what, what
0: is what do you think is like one of the hardest rooms you've ever done in
1: your? I think the OR at the Comedy Store is yeah. one of the hard. I don't like when the light is right in your, f- like you're being yeah. interrogated. Yeah, that's the OR at the Comedy Store. I don't know if they've changed that. They may have. Cause I haven't been on in the OR in a long time. Yeah, but uh, I never have. I, I, I've had very 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 many bad sets. Because I can't see the crowd, and I like to look at the crowd. I like to be able to look at them and see what they're, how they're looking at me, yeah. so that I can read. Yeah, read the crowd, and read and, the and read, and you know, react. And when you have a light in your face, <laughs> and, and some comics love that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's very hard. It's yeah. a very hard room. Um, I think the rowdy rooms are the better rooms for me. I think yeah. the polite audiences are the worst. They scare me the most because they're the most afraid to laugh at the kind of things I will say, yeah. you know, which are violent, emotional things. Like Eddie, you know, I'm, I'm like a minor league version of Eddie. Yeah. I'm gonna say violent things, and I'm not as funny as him. So, uh, audiences that are too polite, or the, oh, I should say this: they're laughing too politely. They're laughing too hard at polite shit. Mm-hmm. Those audiences i I've, i proceed with caution, yeah um but the hardest room was the i think the o r of the comedy store
0: yeah um what 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 skill set do you feel like is most important that you've developed as a stand up from doing it
1: oh saying what I mean in- in just in conversation yeah uh it's like i i take for granted it's a good question, yeah. That's a good question you're asking, I yeah. take for granted the things that I are so easy in my daily interactions with people mm-hmm. because of just having that everything else becomes easy, like acting becomes very easy, yeah. Yeah. and not maybe for everybody, but for me, acting producing stuff. I don't get nervous when I'm on a set, I don't get nervous when I'm in a podcast. there's yeah. some people who go they have sweaty palms and yeah. oh, you know comedy is such a you know it's such a war that it, it really gives you life so i think it gives you interpersonal social skills if you're learning it right you know yeah and um, yeah so that just those be, those are things i forget about yeah you know that i that i have um not being afraid to talk to women that's yeah another thing i have no fear of talking to women
0: so that's something that has grown as you've Progress in stand up is being able to talk to like what any kind of woman. Well, I
1: came through black comedy clubs for yeah. like 10 years, which is a whole other conversation. But that specifically being a Jewish guy and mm-hmm. being funny in front of black people and spending all your social time around black comics, black women, black women, there's something they do to us if you spend a lot of time around black women you don't you're not afraid of white women yeah and so that you you, you, you i guess it could be an eq thing an emotional quotient where you learn to not you know yeah. be uh less woody allen you know <laughs> less less nervous Jew, you know yeah. so it's maybe a jewy thing that you're a sort of i'm shedding off a jewish neurotic you know self-hating kind of thing yeah and it's learning to be yourself and that's an invaluable uh, thing. But the comedy, the comedy in general, just interacting, you know, yeah. on a daily basis, having a conversation with. I know I can't speak for like people like Larry David who seem to have problems with all of that shit. Yeah. You know, but for me, it's helped just getting through dealing with, you know, yeah, the emotional version of that parking lot where the <laughs> one is going and the other.
0: Yeah, the, the, the negotiation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. What do, what do you feel like, uh, so how do you feel like, um, do you feel like the the um, skill sets from stand-up and podcasting are similar? Do they overlap? Are there, what differences do you see that are most stark?
1: Podcasting is like, podcasting is like a show, doing sna- a, sh- a stand-up show where you're always good. Yeah. And it's fun and easy, and if if all you had to do was podcast, <laughs> fuck. If someone would say I'm gonna, you never do stand up again here. You just podcast for the. Re-, I don't know that I would turn it out. It's so easy and fun, and it's not really that fun. It's just easy, <laughs> and so th- it appeals to the side of me that it wants shit to be easy. Yeah, which is a very seductive. Big time seductive. Yeah, because
0: it's like stand up without any feedback. You're not. Yeah, and you
1: don't have to be funny. Yeah, you're just gonna talk, and (laughs) and if somebody's gonna love it, the pod these podcasts are so inane. Not yours, hopefully knocking on wood, but others they're just so inane, and people love them, and people just want more and more of shit. If you're gonna like, man, I mean, maybe I should just be podcasting. That's the stark. That's the difference really. Uh it's radio. We're just doing radio. Yeah, Basically yeah. Just it's a it's a what is it? It's a it's a specialized radio station for your audience. Yeah. Fuck, nobody has to laugh. You don't know if people like it or not. And people might not like it and they don't say anything. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking awesome that's so great some people are afraid to assert that they didn't like what you said on the podcast Do you know how great that is you're not gonna get a, 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 a oh he walked that lady she yeah. left the club yeah you know no they walked and nobody ever knew if a bear what if the tree falls in the woods yeah. what, what's the fucking thing if a bear shits in the woods yeah or it's no,
0: if a tree falls when anybody hear it. There you go. The
1: That's the on. podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's uh it's soap painful like um my little brother and i i started helping my little brother write a rap and i made him a video he's my first guest on my podcast but i made him a video and that video is like kind of taking off because he's telling everyone about it and you know he's getting all these comments from kids at his school that are like wow this is all we talk about at school this is all we talk about at school and then you know he gets like one hater you know who's just like and it's so painful to see him in his eyes just be like Wait, is are they right? Like, you know like Oh, your your brother? Yeah, he's like oh, 13 man. and it's like it's just watching like Oh, that's fascinating. It's 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 uh cuz you have you know, he's
1: justifying it in his own mind But well, he doesn't know, he's a 13-year-old. So he right. he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the abstract right understanding yet. To be like, oh fuck, who gives a shit, you know? Yeah, and
0: I have to tell them that, you know the different kinds of haters. You know, they're the haters who are you're never gonna win them over. They just want you to die, right? You know, they just want you to give up right. and die. Exactly. And then there are good, the haters who are like, you know what, you could do this better, right. and this is how you could do it like better. The, the, and you the, don't want to listen to them because you.
1: What was the uh, what was the, the guy's name in Karate Kid? Uh, the the bad guy, the, the the kid who who is the bad kid, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Um, oh, Johnny, whatever. <laughs> You got guts, Larusso. Remember, <laughs> you got guts. There's those kind of haters, yeah. Who eventually, if you kick their ass enough, and you drive their and you fucking take their face and plow it into the fucking pavement, eventually they'll be like, you know what? I like you. <laughs> there are those people out yeah. there. Yeah. And then there's the uh, the crease, you know the uh, there's the dojo instructor who just wants to destroy you. And you yeah. Know. So yeah, there's different kind of haters. <laughs> and also, like, we, like for instance, on our show on uh, Comedians Without Cars, there were all kinds of people who were like, uh, you stole this idea from blah, 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 blah. Somebody parodied Seinfeld's idea before. Yeah. And they don't know. They think, because we all do this, by the way. I mean, yeah. I've done it, too. It's a lesson for me. They think that this is this is the idea. Camilo is going to to bird scooters. Somebody did bird scooters <laughs> before we did. Yeah. So they think we stole some, you know, yeah. idea. And there are a few of those comments. You know, there's hundreds of comments, but there are a few of those. Yeah. And I could very easily go on like an idiot and yeah. engage those people and go, "No, you're not. You know, yeah. you don't understand, but I'm like 40 and I I <laughs> I know." I can't, I'm an entertainer. I cannot be engaging everybody who doesn't like or thinks they want to assert they know that we stole an idea, you know. So just don't, you don't even fucking, yeah. Don't even, don't even engage. You just got to keep doing your thing. By the way, when enough people see shit, other people do the fighting for you. Yes. And they stick up for you and shit, you know. So that's funny, your your 13 year old brother, though. (laughs) The, The one hater. What did the one hater say? You, you said
0: this is, this is like trash. This is like the most trash rap I've ever heard, or something.
1: You oh, know, he was upset. Yeah, he but was, he was engaged in listening. Yeah, exactly. So the hater was like, you know, yeah. but he was, you know, one of the yeah. audience members. Yeah.
0: and and of course they're always like, which is now out of vogue, but they're always like uh, boys who are like, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. You know, like. Which is like, I mean, that was my like when I was growing up. Like that was what you call, yes, yeah. that was your ace in the hole. If you're a hater, you're just like, oh, you're gay, blah blah blah. Yeah,
1: you know, it's always gonna be some. It's always gonna there. You know, if the word gay isn't gay anymore, there'll some other word exactly. that replace it. So, exactly. You know, yeah. Might exactly. As well. That's what we said. You're right. That's what we said when we were kids. <laughs> that's gay. It's really gay. And you don't hear it as much anymore. This is uh, yeah. funny that I get people... Nobody reaches out to me unless I'm in the middle of something. <laughs> Isn't that a funny kind of...
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like that Larry David bit about how you're waiting for a table and then as soon as one table opens up, five tables open up right. at once. That's and Liv. He's, he's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how it goes. I mean... Here's another funny thing,
1: if I might just interject this. Yeah. So... So... There are three women... All very attractive and young and beautiful. And I'm not going to say it's because I have a show on that show came out. But two of these women never text me back. Uh Two of these girls. And they're in their 20s. They're young. As my friend, my wise Indian friend says, they have options that we don't. (laughs) And they were nice enough to give me their number and show interest in me. And then, you know, whatever they... Suddenly they're available and interested in one of whom which I hadn't heard from in a year. Yeah. And the other one wouldn't I text are you okay? Are you Yeah. I wouldn't text me back. And then suddenly so are they like looking? What do you think, Yanker? I I I know I know, look, you may not have you may it's perfectly okay to say I don't know. I cannot give you wisdom on this. But <laughs> I really do want to understand why these women are suddenly are they? Are they? Do they? Do they? Okay. Do you think they sit around going, "I got to check on Lolly," and just see? Because I, I are like him. But I really yet? don't want to fuck this guy if if there's nothing going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I then mean, there's
1: yeah. and then something they see. So yeah, what? I
0: feel like that's like the. Show business negotiation right it's like what but show none bu- of these okay, yeah. but
1: two of three of these women are not in show business at all oh, okay, they're just one girl's in school, yeah. the other one works at sprouts, okay, they're cute, young, you know early twenties mid twenties and then the other one I don't know how old she is, but she has made an active an active play to... <coughs> excuse me um. So I just wonder about that. You know, yeah. I'm not mad about it either. I like the idea, like I like the idea of being, yeah, wanted by women for whatever reason. Yeah, um, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, the, there's that detective part of me. Yeah, I mean, I think,
0: I definitely think that that has to be an element. I mean, it, it, it's not just coincidence. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think that definitely has to be an element of it. I just
1: wonder how are they like.
0: Yeah, they sign up for Stephen Lolly Google alerts and yeah. it just pops up in their. phone. Well, family. I
1: did one girl. Okay, so one girl I did say to her, "Hey, I have a show coming." I did yeah, mention, yeah, yeah. or I mentioned I was a comedian. I gave. She knew my full name. Yeah, and that was a more recent transaction. Yeah, but one of them was a girl I hadn't communicated with in a year. Yeah. And then suddenly, she's
0: yeah. What's
1: she fucking up to? Is yeah. what I. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you deal with this? See, someone needs there needs to be somebody out there dispensing wisdom about these kind of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think I think you you know, I think yeah, I think you think you had it right on it's kind of a transaction, you know. was it a
1: transaction.
0: It's kind of It's a little, you know, it's a little gross, but you know, if it's fun, it's fun, you know. You have your Don't fun think while about you can. it too much. Yeah, have your fun while you can and
1: Yeah, cuz the the ops, other option is you're not having any fun. Right. That's true too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're, you you definitely can't have fun all the time.
1: <laughs> well, or very very rarely in my case. Yeah. But yeah, these women are uh, <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah.
0: Um what uh what do you feel like with the pep talks? What 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 kind of um niche do you feel like you're trying to find with that? Like
1: Uh I'm not trying to find anything, man. I I just want to um uh, Sunil, put that down I'll talk to you about it later what? Stop <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know what you He's trying to edge like? in on the podcast no, I, I, He's trying to weasel in on the podcast This is my driver
0: Oh, cannibal, <laughs> cannibal killer Oh, wow yeah. So
1: this is what I, I travel around <laughs> with A vegan obsessed with murder <laughs> That's really what He's not a vegan, by the way He's a vegan sympathizer
0: a vegan sympathizer.
1: Yeah, you'd never know if to talk to him. <laughs> he talks about animal murder and things. But anyway, so let's get back to this. All right, we- I'm just uh, wondering because oh, you, pep like, talks. what you're
0: yeah, what you're saying kind of like, and I agree. I think podcasts kind of find their niche a lot of times. Like Doug loves movies, or there's so many weed podcasts. It's like so easy to just be like, oh, I like weed. Do you like weed? Mm-hmm. And then everyone just listens who loves weed.
1: <laughs> Dude, I don't know what. First of all. Eddie Peppertone and I are yeah. not niche.
0: Yeah, I know. You're, yeah.
1: We're just... I enjoy just getting on the podcast and talking with him yeah. like, like you and I are yeah. talking. Yeah. That's what we do. I love that too. Yeah. Right. And I that is fun.
0: Yeah.
1: But what, what kind of... I mean, I just want to do the podcast. This is what I think will happen. Yeah. One or both of us will become very, very massively well-known yeah uh and the podcast will explode yeah and so a lot of people who didn't know about he or I or both of us will suddenly be tuned into it yeah and you know we'll we'll have more than we i think we get we reach five thousand a week, which sounds like a lot, yeah. but it's not enough to really i think you have to have twenty thousand uh-huh. that's the in order to attach. Advertisers, yeah, have sponsors. So yeah. we're far from that. Yeah, but um, I don't. I enjoy it. it yeah. All of the things that, if the if the think about the show business is if the right people like you here in L.A., mm-hmm. you can work in other avenues. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping will happen is yeah. that some of the people. Who just dig this? Did what I do or do yeah. what Eddie does? Yeah, will catch on and start helping us. Uh, you know, we have he and I both have some connections. Yeah. He has a lot of connections. He's a lot of famous people who like him. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, we're also creating a show. Eddie and I are creating a TV show. Oh. with Mark Brazil, who created that '70s show. Dude. What? Yeah, wow. and he's a very funny comic. Yeah, and we've been writing this show. I don't know for about a year. What? What? What is that for? Like, it's a comedy, a It's a sketch comedy oh. experimental. It It's like if Dave Chappelle's show was. Taken hostage by Monty Python's <laughs> Flying Circus. That's what it is. I love so it's taking very, hostage. Very very funny. That's a good. It's verb. very funny. Thank you. Uh, I've been told not to pitch it that way. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love way, it. It's an anti-pitch. It is great. It's, it's perfect. It is it's the Anti-pitch. I, agree. I I'm I all agree. about that too. Totally taken hostage by Monty Python's Flying Circus, and uh, it is a sketch show, but it's it's like if you you know took a sketch show and you dosed it with David Lynch. Yes. That's what our yeah. show is. So that po- the podcast has led to that would be great. Um if the podcast gets big, then you have to do it every week. You can't take a week off. Yeah. So that's a that's another thing. If someone wants to go on tour, yeah. you know, what who who takes over the podcast, this is a major thing Because Eddie's on the road. Yeah. Tomorrow or Wednesday I do the podcast on my own with the guests. Yeah. Um that's becoming a more and more common thing. We're I'm away or he's away um, so there's no niche though in long answer your question yeah. I don't know do you have a suggestion um <laughs>
0: well I feel like you get, I feel like like uh, Eddie Eddie's brand is like a student of history which I totally love too because I was a big history student as well yeah uh, and kind of like socioeconomic history uh, yeah I don't know I think somewhere maybe in that heady academic thing but it it um yeah it's it's hard because it, it it's like there's so many that's what kind of bugs me about kind of how niche success, successful niche podcasts are because it, the sponsors just line up you're like oh it's weed okay well all, there's all these weed right, sponsors or right. vaping oh all these vaping sponsors right here but it's like when you have a voice that's that's complicated and and it kind of morphs between different things it's harder for I think a sponsor to be like. Okay. Right. Like, well,
1: by the way, Star Trek with William Shatner yeah. was canceled. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, It was canceled by the network. And they got so much hate mail for canceling the yeah. show that they brought it back. But they didn't know how many people really liked it. Yes. Because it didn't fit, at that time, Star Trek, 60s, yeah. right? Sunil, you're old enough to remember. Star Trek came on in the 60s? I remember. Okay. Uh, I was in India. Oh, time. you were in India. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, Star Trek came on like mid to late 60s I think we could look it up but it came on in the 60s they didn't know they thought it was a a flop yeah so they took it off what they didn't understand was that people across all different demographics were watching Star Trek (laughs) so there are lots of different people who could like what Eddie and I yeah but you know getting those people and finding those people and them finding us is a whole fucking circus yeah. We like talking about sports. Eddie and I both love. He's a New Yorker and I'm yeah. a Chicagoan, so we love talking sports. Yeah. Our producer is like the most anti-sports guy ever. <laughs> so so Eddie Eddie's been told like Eddie and and besides that, Eddie anytime sports comes up on the podcast, Eddie goes Eddie will say, "You know, you lose half your audience when you mention sports." What? As soon as you mention sports, you lose half your audience. So, um, oh my so God. we could just do a sports podcast, but we wouldn't be able to talk about all this other stuff.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure sports fans would just be like, what's this whole thing? <laughs> what right, are they but, going off on this
1: thing? <laughs> right.
0: You know, because oh. everyone is, uh, like, I feel like the niche audience is such a tribal... Mindset where it's like uh, politics, everything politics, or which is the most annoying thing. I don't think anyone likes oh everything my God, politics. Are you kidding? Because like I, I couldn't imagine. There's that. so many politics podcasts, and I like tune in for five minutes. and I'm like, who the hell just wants to
1: listen to this all? I time? know, I know. It's just it's crazy. That's, you know what? Those people are more psychotic than the murder podcast.
0: I think so too. Like at the, least with the murder podcast,
1: there's some there's some element of mystery. Yeah, unsolved murder. Right, because that's like what what the, he's obsessed with, and other people are the unsolved the the Zodiac killer. Yeah, you know the yeah. the, the you know what I'm talking or about. What the, was this
0: article about the Pizza Hut cannibal? He ate what did he? That's the kind of sh- the delivery guys. He ate delivery guys. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, insane.
1: Exactly. That guy. Houston police arrested a man believed to be behind the disappearance of. No less than 20, people. So, like, your yeah. podcast is turning into a murder podcast <laughs> yes. as we speak. <laughs> you're being produced by someone unbeknown to you that is producing a new niche for you to join a cannibal podcast. Yeah, a cannibal podcast. That, that by the way, is the shit when they talk about what was going on in like Sodom and Gomorrah in yeah. Noah's time yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. It's never, you know, it never goes into detail in the Bible. They just say the wicked. Yeah. So the crazy fucking evangelical assholes think that means guys cornhole in each other. That's what they think that means. Yeah. What, what was really going on, if you really read it and study it, people were murdering anyone who came into their town or their yeah. village. They were dismembering them Whoa. And, and sacrificing them to serve you know, various wow. satanic... Well, now we would call it satanic. They believed it was God or multiple gods. So that's why God said, "Yeah, you know, n- not, no more people. you know we get this one this one family that's not eating each other, and let them put them on a boat, but that's what was going on was cannibalism. So what Jeffrey Dahmer was ashamed of was right <laughs> out in the open, it was totally like it was it was it was just normal, yeah, it was normalized, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, just to you know give you an idea. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and it is—it's crazy. You're right. It, It's—it's—we uh we all have the potential to be crazy,
1: holy shit,
0: psychopaths. Man, I think that's what's so—I right. think that's you know that's it's what just, he's a, fascinated with. And you know, yeah. I think that's all that keep people alive, keep people from their consequences in a weird right. way. You know, so it's like why the Bible itself was kind of like mm-hmm. book of laws, right. book of government. you Right.
1: Know? Well, there you know the Ten Commandments come down, and mm-hmm. then later on, this is it's not intended to be funny but as a comedian I can't help but see the humor in it
0: Yeah.
1: so like later on God comes and goes okay look there are other commandments you need to know yeah. about like yeah. hundreds of years later he yeah. goes look don't fuck your sheep. <laughs> Don't fuck your cousin. Don't have sex with your mother. Don't have sex with your sister. I mean, it's like that. Yeah. If you're telling, it's like, having to
0: tell people this, well, it's like... Well, this like... is the funny thing. And this is,
1: these are the people that God loves. Yeah. So imagine what the people who he doesn't love are doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Here are some rules. This is really funny, man. I was really... I should really talk about this on stage because it is really funny stuff, man. Yeah. Like deeply yeah. disturbingly. Because we think, right. you know, we, we beat ourselves up about, I fucking jacked off some internet porn. You know, <laughs> you, you got to understand what people used to be like. It was yeah. really bad. People were sacrificing their kids and, <laughs> you know, bad stuff. Anyway. So, no, it yeah. Happens. So now yeah, it does we solve. just have cannibals in hiding. Like Jeffrey Dahmer, and yeah. then you have, you have sort of uh, the, the sort of um, people who are fascinated with that kind of stuff. Like my friend, you know, who's just f- who love like the the Black Dahlia and, and the and the Zodiac Killer. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascism and Nazism, and uh, you know, it very it, very deep dark stuff. Yeah. So welcome to Yankers New <laughs> Dismemberment, the dark side of. The dark side of the unit. Yeah. I'm honored that I could usher that in. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um
0: uh, what uh do you do you think there are too many podcasts? I know this is a popular. Sure. Absolutely. There are way too many, just like too many comedians. But, but.
1: Yeah, but you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, of course there are. Yeah. People are not people are trying to entertain themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, everybody's desperate for entertainment and yeah. connection. And yes, there are too many. Fuck yes, there are too many. Yeah. There's too many fucking TV channels. There's too <laughs> many. Everybody... Look, like the poor people all have podcasts and then the rich people all have shows. You know? Like the the rich people are online for shows. We're in line for podcasts. That's, the, that's it right yeah. there, man. I just wow. broke Karl Marx. <laughs> just broke down the fucking... It's true,
0: yeah. You're right. It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's YouTube has that same sense still, which is why it's it's more popular than Netflix. You know, because it, it does have that element where anyone yeah. can do anything on YouTube. You and know, it's really and it's not you're not necessarily gonna get paid to do it, but you can still do it. You can still release whatever you want to. And right. kids are learning life from, from YouTube.
1: tutorials. And yeah,
0: the- it's it's like, and I'm starting to be, learn everything from YouTube too, you know, and it's just, you know, YouTube's better than your parents, you know.
1: Oh my god, I got a story for you. Uh, My roommate in in Culver City, this is a couple years ago, he asked me to return a Redbox movie. (laughs) And I was with the guy who's sitting next to you. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know how I got with him but I lent him the movie or something it was a movie I don't know what it was it was something of interest to me and to him yeah. and we had agreed that he would return the red box movie I said you will you return it yeah. so he did so he calls me and he goes it it won't take the movie it won't I can't return it it won't the thing is broken yeah. the yeah. box is broken it won't take yeah. so he comes over I go well just bring it back and I'll return it yeah. so he brought it to me and I go, dude, what, what happened? <laughs> this is a 50-something-year-old man. We, we went on YouTube and I went, let's watch the... We watched a YouTube tutorial. A seven-year-old child explaining you have to pull up the thing in order to put... You have to pull up the thing in order to put the Red Box movie in. I said, Sunil, did you... <laughs> he goes no I didn't know there was anything under there I didn't understand Oh my so dude you know that I'm t- I'm telling the truth that really did happen wow yeah so there you go man there you go. perfect example of uh, yeah. we laugh so fucking hard <laughs> I mean like st- not being able to breathe laughing yeah. <laughs> and the little kid is like so this is how you you have to pull up and bring it and who did that kid know that there was going to be some 50 forty and 50 year old people <laughs> who were gonna like benefit from their tutorial
0: oh man, yeah, man. it it I think it's
1: just you know because every kid like that has parents i don't know, but it's by the like... way, what kind of fucking kid I, I'm really happy <laughs> the kid helped, yeah, but what kind of kid is thinking yeah, I know I need to make a fucking video of this. <laughs> what What kind of child like this is what feared I fear the future like what kind of child is going you know like we wanted to play football in the front yard and and, and spit and shit and you're like you know I'm I, I just yeah yeah um
0: is there anything for you that's off-limits talking about
1: on a podcast? And has there been any time that you've said something on a podcast that you regret? Yeah. Well, no, then, then I regret, but I try not to use people's names. I don't want to... Unless I really... I try to weigh how I will humiliate somebody by name, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, uh, and if there's personal information, I've learned from the podcast that sometimes there's information you don't just, you just don't want to give out. Right. Like how much money we're making off the podcast is a very good thing to not be disclosing. (laughs) Eddie and I sort of learned figure that out the hard way because we had a bunch of calls, you know, why is he making, you know, so then the the audience is going to dictate you're, oh we don't want to lose this viewer, so we're not going to pay someone something yeah. anymore. Yeah. That kind of thing. So that's things like that. Uh, there, there, there's a very, very famous uh, writer, friend of mine, uh-huh. who uh, I had a f- weird interaction with. And we agreed we're not going to use the person's name. I thought it was interesting to tell the story but I thought it would not be wise to use the person's name. Yeah. So mainly just to protect yeah. certain things to protect like very basic primitive stuff. Yeah. I'm going to keep my friendships intact. I'm <laughs> going to keep people from knowing exactly. Like, unfortunately, all the things my father advised me on when I was young. <laughs> you know, my, my dad would say stuff like I'm getting off on a tangent here, but my dad would say shit. And then he would say You know, that's just between us. Don't ever repeat that in public. You you know, what I just told you is... Yeah. It's private. Like, 75% of those things were the first five minutes of my act. Yeah. I would go on stage and say the things my father told me. (laughs) Not, that's just between us. Don't share that with (laughs) outside. That was my act. For like, you know... Yeah. So, anyway. No, I I, I
0: totally (laughs) agree with you. I think, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh... My dad was the same way, a very private guy, Right, and every bone in my body just wanted me to just say, vomit everything he would tell me because it just, I don't, I don't get people who are, I don't know, my dad was very ego driven, so he, he wanted everything to make him seem strong. You know, those people, and it just, it, it, my
1: dad was not that way. Okay. My dad was just terrified of other people. Okay, that that to anything, me is much more was,
0: respectable in in a sense.
1: I <laughs> it's like it's like comparing two different yeah. you know disability social disabilities. You yeah. know they're both bad. You're right. My dad was a, was just he was a trembling guy. Oh, you know he, my dad was by the way total man's man, real man. Yeah, but just socially he was really. He was socially you know he didn't want he was antisocial. He was not like. He didn't want the neighborhood to know his business. He he wouldn't conf- He wouldn't talk yeah. to the neighbors. Yeah. You know, uh, and as he got older, he got more antisocial. But the things that he would say to me were like, you know, <laughs> Christianity's in charge of all the advertising. So he hated <laughs> Christianity. So he was. I think he hated it and was obsessed with it at the same time. Because yeah. sometimes I'd catch him watching like evangelicals. Yeah. On TV late at night. I don't know, but he really, he'd say that Christianity are the salesmen.
0: Yeah.
1: And he hated salesmen. So my dad hated salesmen. He really didn't like Christians, and I grew up also feeling that way. Yeah. And then when I became a comic, yeah, one of the big first punchlines I had was, Christianity's in charge of all the advertising. And that came straight. (laughs) I don't know if my dad said it like that. I may have put it in my own words, but it was... It was derived from the yeah. sentiment of my father yeah. who didn't want the Christians in the neighborhood yeah. to s- come to his door with torches like Frankenstein was in there. Yeah. That's what my dad in his mind was going to happen. He'd be he'd be humiliated.
0: Are you ready for some plugs?
1: We got another comedian's without cars getting soda that's going to come out. I don't know exactly when, but if you go on YouTube, all things comedy channel, comedians without cars getting soda, Eddie Pepitone, Stephen Lolly. My handle on Instagram is uh, at Stephen Lolly, L O L L I. Follow me on Instagram because I need more people. Twitter, at Lolly Comedy, L O L L I, C O M E D Y, Stephen Lolly on Facebook. And basically, I do not have a functioning website, so these are the places to find out where you could see me live and what the fuck I'm up to. Uh, I have a movie called Yoga Ho that I made, which is really funny. It's on my YouTube page. Go check that out and share it with your friends. If you're uh, bothered by sexual humor, this isn't it for you. So I'm just <laughs> warning you: this is not Michael Sarah in Juno. <laughs> This is not, you know Pregnancy
0: without the sex. Actually is, Michael Sarah never did have sex, but she got pregnant. It yeah. was immaculate conception.
1: In the in the general in tone of Juno, my humor isn't like that. My humor is more like cannonball run, more like Rodney Dangerfield. I've never seen that, but I can If totally. you really wanna know my humor, picture Rodney Dangerfield getting busy with with a young Stevie Nicks. That's the sexual comedy you're going to be watching. Uh, picture if for a younger generation, look up Rodney Dangerfield and picture him having sex with Kiri Jenner or Kylie Qua- <laughs> Kylie Kardashian. Her name of, is Kiri Yeah, picture her, her name should be <laughs> An elderly man having sex with a Kylie K- Jenner Kardashian type bitch. That is the kind of. Humor that you're gonna be watching, not not <laughs> <laughs> not Emma Stone seducing Ryan Gosling. It's not gonna be that. So to car to put these in the right, all right. Places. Man, th- yeah. this is maybe the best plug of all
0: time. I yeah. thoroughly enjoy. Thank you. This plug. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so yes, everything Stephen Lally said. The final yank. Man, it's a fucking jungle out there, you know? Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, what do, you, what, do you have a final thought?
1: Final thought. I'm just, just glad to be alive, and uh, <laughs> I hope you all don't hate me. Have a wonderful day.
0: That's the final yank. I hope you all don't hate us. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Yanker Show will be taking off the month of December, but we will be back January 23rd, 9.45 at the Clubhouse. We go all night, baby, with comedians from Comedy Central like Steph Tolove, Chase Bernstein, and Jamar Neighbors. 9.45 at the Clubhouse. Be there. How about you? Twitter my Facebook and Instagram,
1: at the Yankcast. Stay tuned for more updates.